one year, I kind of got an idea. You know, I want to try trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? You would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money in over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the fur boom. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Trappers love game trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Herb Lennon Game Magazine. Instruction from Herb Lennon. Herb Lennon's articles, the Herb Lennon ads. Two information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet that's working ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got very bullshit saying the trap, you got bog trap. They start talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't get them better. Trying to set predator trash and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like a sheer. You better edit this part out. Yeah, it was better. Back in the first shed, this is Trapping Today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Thank you so much for listening in. Great to have you here. We are brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K A A T Z B R O S dot com. Cosmos is the trapping supply dealer of choice for the Trapping Today podcast. They have traps and snares and trapping stakes and cables, swivels, S-hooks, earth anchors, post-pounders, whatever you need to get going on the trap line. Cosmos has it, and they have a great supply of baits and lures. We're also brought to you by OnX. Use your phone as a GPS on the trap line with the OnX Hunt. Mark your trap locations, run tracks, get landowner information, and scout using the latest aerial imagery. Go to onxmaps.com. Use the promo code TRAP, T-R-A-P, to get 20% off of your first purchase. Thanks, Cuts Bros and OnX. And finally, we are brought to you by the brand new, very excited to tell you this, Trapping Today magazine. I just published issue one of the Trapping Today magazine about 20 minutes ago as I record this podcast. So I am looking forward to seeing the reaction, what you guys think about it. This is a brand new thing. It's a trial thing. I told you guys a while back I had something kind of in the works and it is finally coming to fruition and I just hit publish and we'll see how it goes (laughs) so um, I have no idea what what this is gonna be like what the reaction is gonna be how many people are going to read it what people are gonna think about it we're just gonna have to wait and see and I I I really am going to have to gauge uh, how you guys react to it and and kind of use that to determine whether I'm going to continue doing this in the future so I'm I'm not sure whether I'll probably do like a, I'll probably do a few more issues regardless of what happens. Just kind of see how things go. I really like the idea of a digital trapping magazine. I like the idea of a magazine that has zero cost of distribution. So uh, I don't have to pay printing costs. Don't have to pay mailing costs. can just send that right to your inbox or you can go get it. So I like that idea. And uh, I, I like, I like, I like the idea of, putting instead of just publishing this stuff on the website like I've done in the past 
putting it all together in one place that's kind of visually appealing, that kind of flows, and something that people can digest and look at. So we'll see if you guys feel the same way. And uh, very first thing is get yourself uh, a copy of this magazine. So go to trappingtoday.com. It's right up there on the main web page. It should be one of the first couple of articles that shows up there. If you're listening to this later, there is a list of pages on the top of the web page, Trapping Today. There's a place where you can click into the different pages, and I created a new page for magazine. Just click on magazine. There you go. That There it'll be. Or you could go to issue.com, I-S-S-U-U.com, slash Trapping Today, and you can find it there. So take a look at it. Um, this thing is designed for you to be able to read it on your phone, on your desktop, on your laptop, on your tablet. I, I find that it reads best on a laptop screen because it's um, the, that landscape shape of the screen and the size of the screen makes it so that you can kind of view a large portion of it. Uh, and it's like very similar to reading a physical magazine. The in as far as size, you can read it on your mobile phone. You're just going to see one page at a time instead of a two-page spread, but it, it's still going to be fine. You'll notice this is an interactive thing, and so there are a bunch of links that you can click on to go to different websites uh, that are mentioned in the magazine. You can uh, see you know, there's videos there. You got there's a link to to listen to one of the podcasts. You can click on YouTube videos and you can watch them right within the magazine, which I think is pretty cool. You can you can watch those videos without actually leaving the magazine. Um, lots of cool stuff. And probably in the next uh, podcast episode, I think I'll go through the magazine articles in more detail and what's actually in there. But I hope that you will take, take the opportunity to uh, read it and give me your feedback. I, I really want to hear your feedback. jrodwood at gmail.com. J-R-O-D-W-O-O-D at gmail.com. Number one, is this something that you're really excited about and you think I should keep doing? Number two, is this something that you would pay for or you would rather see free? Obviously, right now it's all free. Um, would, would you rather see it free or would you rather pay for it and have... Would you rather see it free and have a bunch of ads in it, advertisements, or would you rather pay for it and have no ads and just kind of focus on the content? And if so, how much would you pay for it? That's number two. Number three, would you like to contribute something? Send me a photo, send me an article, um, a little story. You don't have to be a good writer. I can fix things. I can edit. Um, that's my job. And, uh, and uh, maybe share something that we can put in a future issue of the magazine. So, uh, we're, we're kind of, kind of just got the ball rolling and we'll see where it goes from there. But that is just an introduction to the actual episode tonight, which is Ed Schneider from Kansas Trapline Products. Ed and I did an interview, oh, several weeks ago and I, I aired the first part of that interview and I never got around to the second part until now. So let's get into the episode with Ed Schneider. I hope you guys enjoy it and be sure to send me some feedback. We'll catch you soon. This year, I tell you, Maine really uh, um, expended a lot of energy out of me. I don't know if you have, I don't know if you, you know, it was just, it was one of those kind of deals that there was so much unknown 
that I mean it really it really wore me out this year on on trap in Maine and uh I got I got lucky that I got pulled out when I did um you guys had a big snow I I got up there and I tell you there's nothing kind of a for a flatlander who uh I you know I've seen you chain up I chain up myself I had to chain up but nothing's worse than being in a flatlander. But imagine this, as you're on the logging road, and you could see that the semis uh, were running the logging road, and all of a sudden, the loggers took a right, and you kept going straight, and the, and the snow has not been yep. touched. Yep. <laughs> and, 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 all, and then all of a sudden, you, you come to your turnoff, where one of your turnoff, and then you got to go up another seven, 10 miles or whatever. I can tell you there that it was a, it was kind of a, a pucker moment is the proper term of going through that snow and get, get, gathering up the rest of my boxes and, uh, yeah. uh, and, and, and pulling my line because on top of the mountain, there wasn't any wind down below that was of any consequence, but on top of the mountain, I was bucking some pretty good, and I said, Edward, this is not a good, this is not good. So, well, yeah. it, 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 there are times when we get more snow than that. Um, oh yeah. And we could get, you know, two feet and, uh, it, that can put you out of business. You, you got to get on a snowmobile and it's okay until you have those logging roads that are plowed that dissect all your different side roads. Yep. And then you got to jump on and off the snowmobile and unload and load it back up. And then you, you know what it's like to carry it, to pull all those boxes. And, uh, oh, oh, it'd be, it, you, you have know, to haul my, those 10, 10 at a time behind you in a sled. I, I can, I can tell you this. If I were to ever go up there again, I would invent, I would, I would make a box that collapses flat. I, I don't know how to do it, but I, I, I would have to do one that was flat. I had my big, um, uh, I had my big trailer with me, and I tell you, sixty boxes. I borrowed them <laughs> from uh, Dan uh, uh, of the N- the NTA uh, representative for Maine, and he's a wonderful guy to let me borrow them. But um, that took all the space. I mean, by the time you got all your equipment, and uh, then you throw sixty boxes in there, oh my gosh, it's a ton of space, and. Yeah. Uh, I'd go so far as to say that one of my disadvantages, once I understood where to go, there's, I had two things that kind of hurt me on my overall catch. And uh, for the record, for the guys who are listening, well, how many catch? Because I know that's a big deal with there. I ended up with four Fisher, four Martin. And uh, the downside, I had I ran 30 boxes per day. In, and I did a three-day check. So I had basically two lines with 30 boxes each. But again, that was pretty much when considering I'm coming from Kansas. And I, I'll say this is that there was two things that was negative for me was, number one, not having enough boxes. I, I think yeah. if I could, I'd prefer to, if I want to get numbers quickly, I'd prefer to run closer to 100 boxes in a day. Uh, or 80 boxes in a day compared to my 30 or whatever the case is yeah, Get as I, many to, I, to 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 aid me in my overall catch in the time period I was there right so yeah. uh, that that was one and the other thing was I did have a guy molesting my traps I had I did hate that you yeah. know I yeah uh, he, he got me one I, I actually thought a bear I was actually pulling my set and uh, on the day before the big snow I had a couple sets that 
oh, I don't know. They were they were just wild wild cards way out there. They, I liked the location. That wasn't an issue. It's just the fact that I ended up driving. They were at the end of my line, and I, I drove, I don't know, seven to eight miles for two boxes. But um, I went up there, and all of a sudden I saw my box pulled out. And I have them fairly well camouflaged, per se, to where they kind of fit in with the deadfall or whatever. But all of a sudden my box is out in the middle of the – of the uh, uh, the not the logging road, but where do you, the skitter trail, trail yeah. and it was pulled out, and I thought, oh hell, I had a bear get in in this thing, you know, that's the only thing I could figure, and I get there, well, instead of using wire, I use snare extensions to hook my trap up, and I, anyway, but I know a bear doesn't undo a quick link, so anyway, I knew I, I knew I had a person mess with my trap there, they totally pulled it out, and then they undid my quick link and whatever and they were giving me the they were letting me know they didn't want me there so uh, that was that one and i had another one where uh trap was not only out of place you know how you have your law how the laws of maine require your trap to be you know 18 uh, inches from the 18 inches 18 inches yep. well anyway it was slid all the way forward uh, and I knew I was in violation there, and I thought, well, daggone it, did something, did a, you know, weasel or something push it back, open up the box, and then I found my my trap was still set, but it was my triggers were turned around in reverse. So I had known, huh. I knew right then and there somebody else had been there, you know, because I wouldn't. Those are little tiny things, you know, that you learn, you know. Uh, no tracks in the uh, snow, though. Well, in this case, it was it was while we were it was right at the beginning of the season where we had no, no snow, snow or anything, yeah. so. Uh, anyway, there's pros and cons, you know, it, it's too bad. Yeah, guys. That's the it. thing with, with public access, you deal with yeah. the, you, you, the good part about it, like you mentioned earlier on yeah. that, is that you don't need permission. The bad yep. part about it is neither does anybody else. Neither does anybody else. <laughs> and, and I had, because forgive me, but I don't have any personal experiences about Brook number 27, uh, I don't have any experiences there. There's no, to me, this is just more trees in another dip along the road. So there was, I guess you could say is, is that I, I did put some flagging along the edge of the road and I hated that. Um, and for the record guys, I did take the flagging down, but, that, but I, I know that's a big flatlander deal. But the, the point being is I, I knew I was broadcasting to guys. Something was, yeah in that area but, you know but I, at the same time you kind of have to um, yeah i had a couple areas this year where i ran into other trappers and and i've i've never had issues with people messing with my traps fortunately right but it could happen right. any time um but i ran into two different trappers <laughs> on my line early on and i got nervous and i stopped putting flagging out yeah, um, right and i had uh, a week later we got a that big snowstorm and I came in to check traps, and I spent a few of the sets. I spent twice, two, three times as much time trying to find those boxes because I, yes. when you get a bunch of snow, everything changes. It, it's oh yeah, you know, it's a, it's incredible. The trees all get bowed down, and everything looks different. Your box were you you talking up. about also putting flagging at the road or just at yes, your box? The, the road and the box. and the box. I got oh, I knew when that big snow came the last time I went in. I said and I said that I was talking with John on the phone. By that time, he had already he also works in Iowa. Um, so he was, I was staying at his cabin. I had a, again, good thing you have friends, yeah. but, um, 
I tell you, the uh, John said to me, because I, I was awful concerned about not being able to see my box, because they were talking a lot of snow, and he said, put some flagging over your box. And, and boy, thank goodness I did. It makes a huge but, difference. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it, it's hard. You know, I'll even go so far as to say that my pre-baited boxes, it was a week before I actually, maybe 10 days uh, before I, because we were there to beaver trap, maybe it was a week. We went in there beaver trapped and John and I went out and he showed me where to put, we put out those 14 boxes. Then we went beaver trapping. Well, it had been a week since I've been there. And I tell you to try to find. You start to forget. <laughs> you you know, it's, it, yeah, it was my very first boxes. And I can tell you this is a tree can look like another tree real quick when you yes. don't, when you're not familiar with the area. Now once, and, and then, and John, and what's even worse for me as a new trapper, um, because John was helping me pick out the locations, a lot of times he would go to a spot and he'd pick it and he'd say, well, this looks like a good spot. This looks like a good spot. And, well, I wasn't mentally vested in that location, so I hadn't. I, I really never gained it, that point it, of reference as the like, way I. Put. It's kind of like when you're a passenger versus driving the vehicle. Oh my yes, exactly. And and those first first fourteen boxes was a nightmare for me to find them initially when I went back through. After that, and I started putting boxes in. I went right to them. Uh, granted, no snow, but no snow. But just without the snow, I was able to go right to the box. I knew right where I, I knew why I put it there yeah. and all of that. So, yeah, I, I it, it, those are all great. Learn, and I, I would hate to, this has nothing to do with you or Jason or any other friend. Um, there's been a lot of lines I've been on where the two of us put sets in and only one of us is going to run that line for checking. Like <laughs> as an example, we'll, we'll check the traps in the morning Two o'clock in the afternoon, we get back together and we go to new land and we put out more traps. And then I might be on your land or you might be on my land. And the and I tell you, I spend a lot of time making sure I understand where you put your set if it's my line that I'm running today and that type of thing. So those are the different things that because you don't want to forget these sets. You know, I use the GPS. I am I I actually use a Garmin in my car. Um uh, that's that's I just use the regular Garmin, I guess. And uh, I make if you ever look, if a guy ever looked at my at my notes, um, I'm in my well, like for Martin fishing, uh, Martin Martin and Fisher trapping. I mean, I put left side because I know how I'm going to drive the road most of the time. But I'll left side, uh, for lack of better words, elm tree. You know, or or whatever that picked my mind, you know, or dead deadfall to the left, you know, left side, left deadfall to the left, whatever the case may be. I'd make little tiny notes for myself, so I had it handy and all that. And of course, the more times you check, you don't even need your GPS right. anymore. Then, yeah. but uh, uh, yeah, you, I guarantee you, you could go to your spot, and never even make any notes, and you you can put it. You 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 would find your sets, but. Uh, brand new ground, brand new ground. Heck, you got to learn which dang road, road you're going to take every time, you know. So, right. exactly. yeah. yeah. Did you, uh, what, what were some other takeaways from your main trapping experience? Um, so, one, number one, um, wonderful state to trap and wonderful people. I didn't have any problems. I, 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 
I, in my case, I saw more people from Vermont than I did in Maine. Um, that, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was bird hunting season. Yeah, bird. And I think deer season was going yeah. and, uh, and all that. I think they even had a week of moose season going still or something like that. Maybe it was cow moose. I, I don't yeah. know. And, you know, the whole time I was in Maine on this trip, I never saw a single moose. I saw their sign. I saw tracks. But I, uh, you could tell that there was some pressure on them. And they, they, had, they, had, they were only coming low during the night. But um, so wonderful experience there. Um, uh, the other part of my trip is the, the man's cabin I stayed at is off the grid. Now he did have a generator there, so and he had a well. He had, uh, for lack of better words, like an Amish water heater. So once I turned the well on, and and it was propane, and so the st- he had a stove that worked off of pilot light and all that. So I had a and I had a gas refrigerator. So I wasn't totally living out of a out of a uh, 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 out of a cooler or anything like that. But I. Uh, I, it was the first time in my life that I had to make sure that I cut wood that day uh, <laughs> and split the wood and get it into the house. Right. And stay ahead of that. And, uh, you know, and uh, things like that. And then he has gas lamps in there. But for the most part, when it got dark, you know, it's more or less time to go to bed. You know, I, I would work. I would run the generator for a while. I would. Uh, catch up on emails and stuff like that. I did have access to that, but uh, those are different things. I will say that um, I'm sorry that the costs are so high out where I was at, you know. I mean, the fuel and gas is a lot more expensive. The food prices were a lot more expensive. And and it's probably due to the remoteness of the area and and different tax laws and stuff like that. And, uh, but um, it's, it was not a, it was, it's, it's, it's it's not a cheap state to necessarily live in, but maybe it's cheaper from your state to the south. It's evidently cheaper well, than the it, state to the south of you. So yeah, the we make up for it in housing and land cost. Those are, yep. are really cheap up up where I'm at. Okay, um, okay. But but yes, food and food and gasoline, fuel, oil. It's all more expensive. Yeah. Um, but you can you can get a. A hundred acres of land for seven hundred dollars an acre. Oh, nice, nice. See, there, there's always bright side to everything, and there is, there is. And I tell you, I didn't, uh, I didn't. Uh, there wasn't a single moment up there other than the molestation of my traps, but um, uh, I didn't have, I didn't have anything bad to say about Maine. You know, it, it was a wonderful experience. I know I could do better the next time I go, and you know, I didn't. Um, you don't know exactly who's trapping in your area. And, you know, it made me feel pretty good when all of a sudden I'm out putting out sets and all of a sudden I stumble across another guy's, I like the area. And a lot of ways you learn um, is just by running into other people's stuff. Uh, You don't have to trap it, but all of a sudden I'd be out there and I'm looking for a location to put boxes and all that. And all of a sudden you look up or something like that and you find somebody else's box. You say, okay, good. I'm on there. I'm, I'm, I'm at least under thin and I just walk away and uh, just get away from their set. But I learned a lot by, uh, by uh, running into other people's boxes. It let me know I was on the right track of, uh, uh, of uh, putting my boxes out. So it gave me more confidence for the, uh, 
uh, you know, for the trap line. So I, I heard yeah. that you ran into one of your fans. I did. <laughs> I had a guy that I had a guy um, that watches my YouTube channel that uh, messaged me and said I ran into Ed Schneider out trapping. Oh, I did run <laughs> into a guy out there. I didn't. I, I you know, I, I I think I gave him a bottle of Oklahoma Suicide. I think oh, you know. I always, yeah, yeah. I, I always carry for those of you that. For whatever it's worth, you want to get a free bottle from me. I'm usually carrying a few free bottles of lure uh, with me. When I run into somebody, I'll, I'll uh, and they tell me what they do. I, you know, I'll, I'll say, oh, "Okay, well, here, why don't you try one of these?" You know, so that's I did run into a guy uh, up on a on a. Uh, matter of fact, he was he was coming out as I was going in, and I remember turning around, and then we just got talking. You know, uh, to tell you that uh, to tell you how. I don't want to call it desolated. It is, but at where I, where I wasn't running into a lot of people. Right. And uh, you enjoy having a conversation with a guy from Vermont or a guy from Maine or something like that. So, and I ran into these guys from Maine and I, I got the biggest tickle of where they, you have your Canada J and the guy broke open uh, one of the crackers he was eating and he had a Canada J come up and eat off of his hand, you know, and, uh, and you know, just need little experiences like that. Oh, now wait a minute. I ran into another trapper. Yes. I think I know the man then I know that guy and I gave him a free bottle or two. So yeah, (laughs) that is funny that, that, yeah, he's a, that's a very nice guy. Turned out me and him wasn't, was trapping relatively close you know and i showed him i I had a i had a 330 bear set up for uh for the uh uh uh, uh, otter at the time you know it was one of kind of just below the dam type of sets you know they have a dam and it was a great it was a really good looking otter set although i never got an otter on the trip but uh i tell you something else that an experience that i had in maine and um if you've ever being in the Midwest, most of our beaver live in a bank. Um, they, the most of them live in a bank. Now they'll have a feed bed in front of them and stuff, but there's nothing really dammed up anywhere as a general rule. Every now and then you go to an irrigation ditch and things like that, you'll have a dam. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, it's just like the Missouri River or something like that. You have a bank den and you have you have a slick. Uh, where they're coming out of the water to go feed. So yep. those are the two main spots. And for me to go into um, into a real dammed up beaver brook and uh, um, uh, see the runs. And I, I, oh my God, did I enjoy that? Oh my gosh, did I? I did. And you and 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 I once. And I wish for John that I could have been the as four days from the time we began because I was still making a lot of mistakes on them beaver. You know, you'd find the beaver lodges and all that stuff. And, um, but I, I, I started picking up good beaver locations a lot better as time went on, you know? And, um, yeah, I think what we notice here compared to like a, a, a bank beaver is there are so many different potential runs. uh, Oh yeah. And so you have to kind of pick, pick the best ones or the ones that are most likely being used recently yes you're looking at the leaves you're looking to see if it's been cleaned out and i got to where i could go to a beaver brook and if the beaver brook is clear and no not stirred up with any dirt or anything 
well, it's a good chance no beavers currently in there again, you know. And yet I learned to look for the for the more fresher cuttings because I asked John, I says, well, how long will a cutting look fresh? He says it can last a long time, Ed. So you know, so you got, but when you could see that the water when you first enter a beaver brook and you found the runs that were cleaned out, you know, no leaves and all that stuff. And then you found where the water was dirt, a little dirty uh, and all that, you had a good chance of getting some beaver. And, um, and I got to give uh, John a lot of credit. We went into a brook. Um, we went into a brook and we had to go through some timber. And I can tell you this is I never been with a real, talented woodsman before um and he, john owns land there in maine he's his place and he's owned a lot of land at different times and uh he's he's a logger like many of the people from maine are and he was logging and and i tell you we we set out for this brook that had been dammed up and we started going through the timber and I can tell you this as I thought, how the hell are we going to find that thing? You know, I'm, I mean, he's, we're going left, we're going right. We're avoiding, we're going down hills. We're going up hills. Yeah. Uh, the, it's kind of one of them spruce thickets that's so dang thick that your pack baskets getting hung up on it and everything. And, uh, and all of a sudden, we come right out to the spot and then the next day we could repeat the same exact thing. And, and same way with getting back to the truck, like how the hell are we going to get? And John just had that knack of bending a stick, you know, breaking a stick off at the right spot where he, he, he could read his sign and he, and he would take his, he would take the, you know, he would scar a tree a little bit, not much, just a little bit and just little tiny things. And he wouldn't do much, but he would do in just enough for him to find it. And I was, I was most impressed by that, but I will say, John said, Hey, said, do you want to leave them traps in there? I says, we're pulling them. So anyway, I don't think I could ever <laughs> find my way in and out of that, you know, where that's that pitch black spruce there is oh, nothing yeah. oh my i was yeah. so impressed it could be by dark that. in the middle of the day yeah oh my gosh it was so wonderful to get to find out you know and and god forbid should we i mean that's one of them spots where you pray you don't catch anything right because you <laughs> you're like oh my god you know you might be disappointed with yourself but it was a it was actually a gift from god you didn't have to drag a 50 pound beaver right. out yeah. yeah so anyway those are fun uh, wonderful fun stories about that and uh yeah those are there's there's a lot of stuff a lot of stuff like that that um y- you know you don't know till you're around somebody like that so yeah. yeah the things that you learn that i never would have assumed there were that was that much of a difference in in beaver trapping from between kansas and maine so just just things like that that you wouldn't know unless you went to a different area i i've never been in a in a brook um and this is second nature to you, but um, uh, I've never been in a brook, as an example, oh, it's as wide as a football field or whatever the case is, and, and you're walking into it, and you're just basically walking on dry land, Other, you know, it's just three foot of water and uh, two foot of water and stuff like that. Uh, and all of a sudden, there's, there's the run right there, you know, it's cleaned up and... Uh, um, it's tell, it's just begging you to put a trap there, you know. Um, uh, those are those are all very unique types of things. And something that's popular here to use is a 
is a beaver float, you know, to where you're suspending your 330 okay. bear on a, on a float and you're, you're working with the stream and all of that. And here you can have the, the bear halfway out of the water and different things like that, that do make a difference in the way a guy wants to trap um, yeah, beaver. I, I was going to ask your impression of our regulations. Well, it'd be nice to be able to have a little more, um, a little more leniency in things, you know, I think, um, in the sense of like the con bear in water where I don't know why you couldn't use a float in the middle of the friggin, um, one of your beaver brooks as an example, where it's halfway out of the water. You follow what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, how many bobcats or coyotes are going to run into that thing, right? Or humans. So there's a little damage, you know, things like that. Um, yeah, that our uh, regulations I, are our greatest source of frustration as main trappers, and uh, it, it's it, I can see it being challenging for someone from away to understand it all and just to. Oh, know. it was it, it was very informative. I tell you something there for guys who are not not in your country, have never trapped a Martin or Fisher, uh, who watch your program just because they enjoy seeing your different environment. I'll say that that. Um, one tip that I got when I first got there was to nail, as they asked, they said, nail your, nail your conibear, your 120 conibear to a tree or whatever, or you can wire it or whatever the case is. But you know, I said, nail it to a tree. And I says, I just usually stake them. You know I mean? Whatever you catch is dead. I mean, whether it's a raccoon or whatever, I just stick a tea snake in. And they said, and, you know, and I got, I got tickled with it. And the guy says, well, you don't have bears where you live, do you? And <laughs> I thought, my goodness, what a great tip, you know, just something simple like that, that that way you. <laughs> and so for me, I used my snare extensions because the more I got thinking about it, I thought, well, that snare, it's going to hold it. It'll, and I was oh, fine yeah. with that. But yeah. the point is, is that was my choice of doing it, but I never would have thought to, the one from a state law perspective, you don't want anybody else finding your trap because a bear carried it away. And the next thing you know, you're getting in trouble for a lost trap, right? I mean, somebody else finding your trap. So right. little, little things like that in different states, you can get away with it, but I wouldn't do, I would not take a chance in, in Maine. Um, I want to know where that damn trap is, right? I mean, when I go in with 20 traps, I better come out with 20 traps because the down you guys have, we all have to face some form of anti in trapping. But I think in Maine, I think it could mean your season. You know, I mean, they just need, they just need some gasoline to pour on that fire. That's already there. So in, you know, what else I think is interesting is correct me if I'm wrong, but you trapped with, did you trap with Jason before you went up north? Oh, yeah. Yep, I've trapped with Jason here in Kansas. Yeah, but, but in Maine, did you trap coyotes in southern Maine? No, I, no, I did not. I didn't. Okay. I, I trapped with the Doug in the uh, potato fields. Yeah, up um, north, yeah. Yeah, up north, yeah. Okay. I was up there. Yeah, I think I actually caught um, my, my first fisher in a dirt hole set. I wasn't there, but it was, I actually think, and that's what got me excited. I got to tell you, that's what got me excited, so, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, because just the difference between southern Maine and northern Maine in in the type, the style of trapping and the number of people that you deal with. Oh, and- so let's get into I did spend a day on his trap line, and I can tell you this is I I probably would never be a trapper if I lived where Jason is. I don't know I, how I, he does it. I mean, um, he, had, he had a scary experience uh, or – a heck of an experience where he, he caught a cat and people saw it. And he I think he ended up with a small crowd there. They called the police. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I said, my God, how I mean, they had the police there. And I mean, it was he had a small crowd. You had some people screaming for him to let the cat go. And another person telling this person to go back to the state where they come from. And, <laughs> and, and uh, uh, then uh, on top of it, that person says, you can come to my place and get all the dang cats you want. You know, they were, they <laughs> anyway, oh my goodness, yeah. all of that worked for, uh, 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 you know, and <clears throat> the size of the properties, um, I mean, you're never, uh, I give an example of one of his fields that he had there this one field normally you say to yourself well this guy's going to let me trap so you in under normal circumstances you think well with common sense i can trap anywhere in the field i want normally that's the way you would think yeah you know you avoid trapping near the homes and all of that stuff that might be bordering it however this person had a request that you couldn't go beyond the power line. I never will forget that, that one field in Jason can, you know, because I wanted to go to this spot. I was, I actually was helping him put in some sets and uh, I will brag a little bit that, that my spot actually caught a, caught a gray and my spot after he remade it, he actually caught a cat in it. So uh, I got a lot of bragging rights on, on his line on that location. That being said, he, um, he told me, he says, no, you can't trap there because that's, I, I'm not allowed to go beyond the power lines. I thought, oh my gosh, you know, so, and there was nothing, there was nothing. We're talking 50 to 60 yards between where I was and where I wanted to go, you know? Yeah. So, but it, he has to deal with that stuff. And for those of your listeners that have to deal with it, I extend my sim- sincere sympathies to uh, you. I, so. I do. I do too. I do yeah, too. I yeah. I understand the, yes. I think again, a guy from an area can get away with it. Number one, the one reason that Jason's got number one, Jason's got great moxie that he's willing to go ask permission by anybody. He eats, sleeps, and drinks canine trapping. Uh, uh, so there's nobody that's going to be around Jason that if he could figure out how to get permission from you, he's willing to go that the go the full distance to get it. And, um, uh, I'll go to another level for guys. Um, where, where I grew up at in Brown County, Illinois, uh, we our schools called the the Hornets. And the last thing I would ever do as a young guy is go into Schuyler County's Rocket guys. You know, I I wouldn't cross the invisible boundary per se. And I think a lot of trappers get into that mindset that that's. I'm not going to go to the next county over. I'm not, you know, that's not, you know, that isn't my country and all that stuff. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll go so far as to say, Jason has none of that. He doesn't have to worry about that. He don't care where he's at. He's going to knock on a door and he's going to get permission. He doesn't care if it's 
a 500 acre or 500 foot lot. I, he does, but he, he just doesn't ever pass up any place he can get within reason. And, uh, that's what I think makes Jason, um, uh, as successful as he is because he's willing to do it. He's willing to go to that level. And uh, for guys who want to do things and everything, Jason's a great example of don't talk about it. Just go do it. Just go, just go knock on there, you know, and he's got people who's turned them down from year to year to year. And I've had, we've all had that. And all of a sudden this year, they're calling you up and asking you to come, you know, you kind of got to, you might go in with a little chip on your shoulder saying, well, you son of a gun, I've been trying to trap you for 20 years, but now, now you want me, you know, and, uh, uh, now that the fur market's depressed, right, now that, exactly. you know, and all that. And, uh, you know, but you got a bit of, you got a bit of, uh, uh, just, you know, let it go and, and take advantage of the opportunity when you get it, because every year you're going to get, land brand new land and every year going to lose some you know uh for whatever reason uh, you so that's 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 what you got to do if you want numbers if you want numbers if you want to just have fun and spend time with your kids on a on a 10 trap line deal well that's fine that's that's the total that's totally acceptable and uh what i i ne- i i'll tell you this is that the way i look at people or look at trappers is i've never worried about whether or not this guy is a 500 coyote year guy or a five coyote year guy, because there's guys out there that are wonderful, wonderful, wonderful trappers. Um, and they have a lot to share if you can get it out of them that are outstanding, but they just don't hit it very hard. You know what I mean? I mean, they, they get their seven coyotes or they get their 20 Fox or whatever, but they're good at what they're doing, you know, and one little tiny one little tiny change of the way they do their set might be something you might want to experiment for yourself, you know? So, yeah, I never look at people and say, well, you're not a 500 year coyote guy. Then I can't hold any respect for you. Heck no. There's well, some guys it, it's going to be I'll, hard to want to be a 500 year coyote guy when coyote, you can't sell a coyote too. That's exactly right. I mean, I can tell you this is that, you know, uh, and times are getting tougher. Um, from that, uh, I'm afraid. I, my fear is is that there'll be we'll lose a, a few years of trappers out of this. You know, yeah. the young guys that want to do this. And, uh, what happens is the next thing you know, it. You know, you you yeah. For those guys who want to do it, you're going to have all the land in the world you want. But on the flip side, um, why why go after them? Why even bother? Yeah. You how know? much money can you afford to lose? I guess. You yeah, can. and that's right. And this year, I didn't even. Uh, when I first went to Western Kansas, I didn't set a single coyote spot up. Not a single one. Not a, I went, oh, yeah, I yes, I caught coyotes there. But I went at the cat locations, and yeah. uh, that's all I did. I drove by more coyote tracks this year than I ever have in my life without ever putting a set because it didn't to me. So, yeah, it's yeah. just the way the, the financial. Yes, uh, this year. My trap line was about 30 miles in Western Kansas. Uh, and la- uh, the previous years, my trap lines around 170 to 220 miles. Yeah. Uh, big, big, big difference. Yeah. And are, are you having, are you in an area where you can get a little bounty on them from landowners or? 
No, uh, no, no, I, I haven't been, I haven't. No, uh, I know a guy or two that, that, that do try. Um, uh, I, I am not one of those guys. Yeah. I think that if a guy wanted to get bounty for, for canines, um, I think they really need to look at Texas. They need to look at o- Oklahoma. They need to look at Alabama, Mississippi, those kind of, those, um, High dollar fences, uh, fence places with the exotic. Excuse me, I'm going to sneeze here in a second. Um, those are the ones. <laughs> excuse me, um, but those are the ones that that are paying. You know, yeah. the guys. There's a lot of money the, the, there. Yes, the outfitters and that type of a thing. Um, the downside is, is you got to wait until they're friggin' ready to let you in there. So, I mean, you might be ready to go in November. But they got clients in there, and they're not going to let you in until season's over in January. So yeah. those are, and then you um, probably got to prove that you're not going to catch one of their thirty thousand dollar animals. Oh, too. oh, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to tell you what. Those guys down in Texas, I forget the name of them. I don't know if it's doll sheep or whatever they are, but they're worth like twenty five thousand. Uh, I know that I know that guys in Alabama, guys that I haven't trapped down there, but I sell a lot of bait and lure to um, to the professional trappers who who get paid to trap and they tell me that them black deer they said they them little tiny things they will get caught in any kind of a trap so yeah so there is there is a lot of uh hurdles to jump and you know um you got to understand that you're talking to a millionaire who's letting you trap and i this is not no this, I'm not really trying to cast a shadow on a guy who's a, a millionaire, zillionaire type of a guy, but a lot of those guys are pretty cocky. And when you show up and you only got 10 raccoon and four possum and um, three or four coyotes and stuff like that, they, my money's betting is they think that you should have done more. You know, yeah. well, why ain't you got 50 coyotes in the back of your truck? So you got to deal with some personality types too. So sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what? Uh, when did you start Kansas Trapline Products? Uh, so that was officially um, in 2013 was my first year. And I tell you what I did. Um, for many years, this was my way. I actually made bait and lure for myself uh, while I was farming. I had, um, I had my own raccoon lure, and I ended up making my first gland lure, my first call lure, and things like that. And I had my, my first bait was a uh, last stop. And what I did uh, for fun for myself is I would go to these conventions, the state convention. I never even went to a national convention until I decided to actually start selling bait and lure uh, in 2013. Um, but I used to go to the States and I would bring my products and I would tailgate literally literally tailgate and i'd set my products up on the tailgate and i and i would sell them but what i would do is go inside and i would buy traps or you know or i'd buy it was my way i was just doing it for fun i thought i was getting away with murder myself i mean (laughs) i i but i i also learned at a convention and i got my very first lesson at a national convention and uh yeah i think i sold my baits when i first began at seven dollars a pint i mean to tell you that it's 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 doubled that by now, but the at the time, I think I was selling a pint of bait for seven dollars. And uh, but then I in 2013 I went to my first national convention. I do I carry my products. I'm I'm trying to look more professional, and um, 
I think I, I think I looked online because the it's always a question. What should I value my product? Whatever a guy sells, you always got to ask yourself, what am I going? What am I going to sell it for? What's the price I want to set? Well, I went online and I looked up. I looked at Minnesota Trap Line and I looked at F and T, and I thought, okay, I'll, and we'll just say I think at the time it was twelve dollars a pint online, and uh, maybe it was ten dollars. But so I went to the convention and I actually marked all of my products at the same price the competition was, and. A guy came to me and he says, well, you're awful proud of that, ain't you? And I went through there for the first day and I, I think I made 60 bucks. Now I'm all the way up in, um, <laughs> I was up in uh, uh, northern or southern Minnesota because there's Owatonna, Minnesota is where the national was that year. And I, I pretty much, I was, I didn't have, I needed to make money to come home. Yeah, right. <laughs> I needed, that was the way this was. I put all my money in to the business. And then I took, I, and anyway, I get up there and I said, well, I'm going to sell myself. And, and this time I have to sell, but before I didn't have to. And uh, so I had all my money in and the guy, and so my friend, Rich Thurman, there was two, two major points of emphasis on that trip when it comes down to making a living at this business is the, my, my friend, Rich Thurman said, Schneider, if it's my products, I would, uh, if they picked it up, they'd be going home with it. And that's when I learned the art of bartering, you know, um, when you have to do it, you know, that $10 price, we can make it $6 if you buy enough from me. Right. Or something like that. So I learned the art of bartering. (laughs) Yes, and it got it was more valuable to me to be in their hands than at their price than it was for me to go home with my price. So that was lesson number one. The second lesson is is I remember that or Friday morning I actually took a straw. I said, "Hey, Rich, would you watch the booth for me?" He said, "Sure, I'll watch the booth." No one was buying anything anyway, and I walked in there. I walked in there into the convention, and you know all those lure or baits that were sold at ten dollars at the time in the catalogs, well, they weren't $10. They were $8. And all of a sudden I realized what competition really is at a convention. You have a thousand people come in or 400 people come in, whatever the convention is, well, you got a thousand guys selling the same dang product. So I had to learn real quick that there's a convention price and there's a and then there's a, 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 hey, if you order from me, it's this price. So the, I had to learn that lesson. So the, um, nowadays, I don't have to do a hard sell like I used to. People are coming up and buying it because they, you know, I now have a little name face recognition in the industry. But at the time, I tell you, there was nothing more uh, sinking feeling in your gut is knowing you had to have money to come home. But I, uh, uh, and I and I will say, by the time I left, I came home with six hundred. Not that's not a lot of money in today's terms, but at the time, it was a million dollars to me at the time. You know, I, I ended up with sixty bucks the first day, and by the time we went home, uh, I had six hundred on me. So I learned to downprice my products to the competition. You know, get it more level with the competition. Second thing is to make sure that understand that that guy can walk away just as fast as. He did. And the more important thing is about being in the business was getting that product into the hands of the, yes. of the trapper yes. is they gotta be, they gotta be able to use it. They gotta be able to yep. make a decision whether they're going to, whether they're going to uh, buy it again, because I tell you, I, I, I'm an O'Gorman guy. I think the world of Craig O'Gorman, 
Um, I like I like Carmen. Um, uh, I like a lot of guys' stuff. That being said, um, you got to compete against O'Gorman and you got to compete against Carmen. And um, for a lot of trappers out there, they got a guy whose products that work very well. Well, it's kind of hard to get him to try somebody else's, right? I mean, um, they're they're not really at the convention to buy from you. They're really at the convention to get what's on their list that they're going to buy. So um, it's more important to get the bait and lure in their hands, make sure it works, make sure you got a good product and that you can replicate it over and over again. Um, yes. Uh, and what I mean by that is <clears> – <throat> I have no problems telling guys I don't really have a lot of muskrat gland in my lures. Where I live in Kansas, I would go. I I, I would starve if I had to eat muskrat for a living because that would I there's just not enough muskrat here to make a pay. So there's no reason for me to make a bait or lure that's going to require a lot of muskrat gland, and because I'm going to have to pay through the tooth to get this ingredient every time. Um, I, I needed to put it in a lure. So I had to be able to look at it from a financial standpoint of what is going to go into my product that I can readily get. Now, coyote assholes, I can get them all day long here. <laughs> yep. So I'm very good at getting coyote assholes. So forgive me, but that's the, so coyote glands and things like that, that needs to be in my products uh, because I can get a lot of those. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. It so has that, to make anyway. sense, and it has to be something that you know you can source every year, so that you don't have to say, get, someone gets used to using this one lure of yours, and then the next year, oh, it's out of stock. Well, I yeah, yeah, you can't, things. you can't make it, and then the next thing you know, and I, I'm not going to pick on any, any lure maker. I'm going to say this though, um, there's, it's, I think there, I think for experienced trappers, they know that when Ed Snyder was making this bait and lure. They got Ed Snyder's bait and lure. They they knew that. But all of a sudden, and I'm not going to pick on you, Jeremiah, but but I got to use you as this example. But all of a sudden, Jeremiah buys my products. And all of a sudden, Jeremiah looks at it and say, where the hell am I going to get a thousand coyote assholes from? So all of a sudden, you start looking, and I'm just going to pull one out of the air you know what i'm going to start using some fox gland because i can get a lot of fox where i live i'm going to substitute fox for coyote well all of a sudden something changed um and i think sometimes that's the reason why some people's baits and lures go down when somebody else buys them from them uh, uh interesting the, yeah they change change the recipe a little bit maybe you they 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 might go at it with the best of intention um uh, maybe Maybe my lures, I'm in a muskrat area, and all of a sudden you smell my lure and it's got a lot of muskrat, and all of a sudden you decide, because you bought my company, I'm going to have to start using imitation muskrat. Not that that's good or bad, but the, the point right, is, right. is we it's went from different. real gland to, yeah, so we have little tiny changes that may or may not make an impact on our end product. So all of a sudden, next thing you know, it, you were, I bragged to you how I had a hundred thousand a year in sales. And all of a sudden your first year, you did $80,000 cause you're new or a hundred thousand, but all of a sudden, boom, you're down to 50,000 because all of a sudden everybody used it the one year and said, Holy shit, this ain't the same, you know? And then right. they start putting two and two together. So it's interesting, you know, it's a, it's an interesting well, yes, and that's so. why you don't see a lot of those brands stick around for very long. They all kind it's of just very fade hard. away. When when the original lure maker 
dies uh yeah a lot of times the brand kind of dies it does you know it does and and again in my early years um uh, i was a diehard o'gorman guy and just for the record you know um when i first started doing this um 19 in the 1980s and early 90s um uh, the technology was nothing more than you putting a stick in a sandy area and you sweep it all out and you got your lure on the stick and then you judge upon how close the animals come to the stick. And then the next way of measuring your bait and lure was to actually go out and trap with it. And then you say, yeah, I catch coyotes on it. Uh, and, and, but in today's world, we can use like my, my, and I tell guys to have a very good, have a very good trail cam, such as a Browning Spec Ops. Not that I'm paid by them, because I'm not. But a Browning Spec Ops does not scare the coyote away. But the many of the many of the um, Walmart trail cams I, I use for deer hunting or whatever, well, as soon as it turned on, you'd see the coyote run away. And um, Yeah, so you you're need... thinking, well, was that the camera or is that something? Yeah, was it the camera Lord? or something else? But like, like uh, a friend of mine, who uh, Mike fails and you, you know, Mike, yes. Um, yeah. but Mike, Mike uses the spec offs, but he does all this wonderful lure testing and you can physically watch how coyotes react to your odors. And so once you start doing that, you can really uh, change lures very quickly. And guys ask me because of a Browning spec ops, I've been able to take my lures and you, the novice trapper, you, the trapper, who come to me and say, well, I want to lure to the, I want to, I want to lure for dirt holes. And then I start asking you, you know, a little, a few questions, you know, um, uh, well, dirt holes is, is the question I would go. I want to lure, you know, that catches coyotes. Well, what kind of sets you putting in? So I know, as an example, what kind of reactions I like for dirt holes, you know. And so then I started, I started um, taking ingredients and i'm watching the coyotes in the film and they they would just say caster well caster is a good lure anywhere you go but then the animals come up to that caster and they react a certain way but what if i add for lack of better words uh coyote gland and caster what reaction do i get now and what do i get if i use acid so you start asking yourself what do i want this animal to do when they come into my set and we all and for me at a dirt hole set what i'm looking for is a coyote to have a digging reaction i want the coyote to want i and i look at a digging reaction not so much for digging but as a commitment reaction they are going to whatever it is you have in that in that in that lure they need to get down into it they need to get down into it and if you want any proof of a, whether a coyote wants to dig for something or not is set your set up the wrong way in other words have the wind blow the opposite way and put the odor there in a hole and i guarantee you, if you see him digging you know you have that digging reaction this commitment and so there's different things like that that i really enjoy about the lure making side is what do I want them to do? Do I want them to uh, urinate? Do I want to just call them in? Because um, there, there's some odors to me that the coyotes will, you know, call them. I'm going to pick on skunk. 
Skunk is a wonderful lure for calling. However, I've yet to ever have a coyote ever want much to do with a skunk odor by itself. Mm -hmm. But when I add something to skunk that can create a reaction out of them, then they want to go for it. So I look at skunk as a wonderful tool in, our, in a trapper's arsenal to add as a pusher, as a pusher. What is it pushing uh, that I want to get out there? So skunk by itself is wonderful. It's even better if that skunk is pushing an odor that creates a reaction. I know that's kind of, maybe I'm kind of nerdy on that, but that's how I see it. I use it as a pushing odor. So yep. I, yeah. What do I want the coyote to do? Yeah. And, right. uh, so you got yeah. the lures, you got trapping supplies, you've got a couple of books and, and a mm -hmm. video, right? I got a book. I got I got two books. I got a video. And something that I did when I was in Maine, we talked about our evenings, and uh, there's not a lot, you know, not a lot of daylight for me to do a heck of a lot. But what I did every night is I, I guess you could say is I've been writing a third book, um, kind of call it a journal. It has nothing really to do with how to trap a Martin. It's really about an experience of trapping. In, or being up there in Maine, right? And uh, call it a logbook or whatever. But uh, I figure for guys who just enjoy what kind of is, how, how do you live through me? So I decided to write this other book. I haven't published it yet or anything, but uh, uh, that, that anyway, just uh, kind, of, kind of a unique, let somebody live in my shoes, you know, for the month and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. that was a... Yeah, you know, anywhere from my my marvel at John walking through spruce to I'll tell you something else I learned. I had no idea that you you guys have white cedar. I had no idea cedar was such a good fire starter till then. So <laughs> Yeah, you, you know, learn you learn when you split a bunch of it up, huh? Oh my gosh, yeah. Without this <laughs> without that cedar, I'd still be freezing to death in Maine. You just you could thaw me out this spring. So you know, all these little tiny uh, deals were just uh, a wonderful experience, you know. I got to even tell you, I got red cedar here, and I had a tree that uh, I found. Heck, I'm gonna. I, I cut a lot. I chopped a lot of that up for, uh, uh, you know, a fire starter. So anyway, yeah, it burns just like your white cedar. So yeah. <laughs> That's oh good. well, just neat. Just neat. So you actually did you get your did you get your limits on Martin and Fisher this year? Uh, I stopped at 18 Martin and 16 Fisher. And uh, okay. it was it was one of those decisions of how how much uh, money can I afford to lose? Yeah. How much more money can I afford to lose? Um, yeah, I I only I didn't I trapped I think for three and a half weeks something like that. It, you know, and and how many boxes did you run? Fifty to sixty. Fifty to sixty. But I takes... was only I was only checking them uh, on on four to five day check. Was so, it cold? Uh, it was up and down. Yeah, uh, boy, my issue, I think, in the first when the season first opened, I mean, I'm I'm wearing a t-shirt. I yep. mean, it was hot. I, I felt. I mean, 60s, and you're in there hiking in and packing in all these boxes, and uh, it was actually very warm. And I think that I I got to tell you, I even went in there and I I changed out my beaver meat because I I really yeah 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 you know it got that warm that it just wasn't like traditional uh martin trapping and stuff i, I, I didn't you know. start until about 10 days into the season because well that was that was smart i think you know i mean because it was it was warm you know and 
and all that. So, uh, do you when you when you use your um, a snow machine? Do you uh, carry an otter sled behind you or anything like that? Or? Uh, I would if I had the money to buy an otter sled. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I gotta get I one eventually. You. But I still have one of those old dog sled things. Okay, those, those right. wooden wooden sleds with metal frame. And you pack out your boxes with that? Yeah, too, but most you? years I don't have to do that. Most years I'm I'm you can drive gone before the before the snow gets that, too. Deep. Well, everybody was telling me that. Um, uh, well, I had a guy up there telling me, he said, Ed, you really need to come after Thanksgiving. And uh, and then I got a laugh when I when Jason looked at me right in the eye and he says, you don't want to do that, Ed. No, no, not you. Not you. And I mean, I got no home field knowledge right now. I did have a snow machine, but John pointed out also the downside. When I got that big snow, he said, you got to understand nothing's frozen yet. And he says, you really got to be careful where you go because next thing you know, you're in that brook, right? right? I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a light ice and you really gotta, you gotta manage yourself well. So yeah. the other thing about it is uh, the way most of those logging roads are, they're pretty widely cleared right aways. And so uh-huh. to get your trap where you want it, you're along. I, I find that I'm quite a ways off the road. Most of the time I'm, I'm 75 to hundred feet off the road when I'm setting my boxes out. Okay. Um, and when I come back on a snowmobile, it doesn't seem like much when there's no snow on the ground, but when there's two feet of snow on the ground and you're walking that far to every box and you're breaking trail through the snow, yeah, uh, it's a whole different animal. I, I actually hated it because I'm just making a trail for the next guy to come steal my shit. <laughs> do you <laughs> ever feel be, that way? I, I do sometimes, but I, typically <laughs> when there's that much snow, they're gone. They're, oh, they're, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. We, well, we, got, we got a big snow after you left. Um, I think after you left from the sound of it. and uh, I, I left on a big snow. Okay, my, so, I was, so I was after... pulling on it on that. I was on your, on you guys's very first snow of the year, at least where I was at. I, I, um, I was pulling boxes the day after the big snow. Okay. Yeah. So, so after that, in my area, the woods completely shut off. Yeah, I was the only one out there, and you could see my—I could see my tracks from four or five yep. days before, and nobody, yep. not a single vehicle, had traveled on those roads. Well, that's the way, you know, to be—you know—when I was going in there to pull my boxes, that's that's the way it was, and I was praying to God I was still on the road. You but know? yeah, like uh, you saw those videos, I was having to chain up and, and yeah, uh, really struggling at times. Yeah, well, I I did chain up, and and like I said, it was a. Uh, uh, on top of the mountain, with that my my one pass I would go on, I was a long ways in, and um, um, I knew I knew I had been driving, on I was cutting my own track, and I thought Ed, you I got I, you know phone reception sucked, and uh, if I'd have gotten in trouble, there was a couple guys I could have called to, you know could have gotten up with John and everything, but hell I don't know how high I'd have to go to get a phone signal. Right, you know, and uh, I'd have been going up into the moose country to get up high enough to get a good phone signal where I was at because boy, there was just nothing, and uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, and, and I mean, you can't even listen to any uh, radio because it's all 
It's all, all French. French, yeah. It's all French. <laughs> <laughs> yes. oh, that's so great. I learned, I, you know, I had to laugh on that. I said, well, and the same thing happens up in North Dakota up there. You know, you're listening to Canadian Broadcasting Company and stuff. So, yeah. anyway, they're, they're, they're not speaking French. But, anyway, you're, you're hearing a lot of hockey scores there. So, <laughs> anyway. Now, we, yeah. one last thing we've got to talk about is the YouTube channel because yeah. that, that is, uh, has, I think, has been really popular, and you, you do a lot on that channel. I try to, yes, and, and I took a big break over the summer, and I'm, I'm mad at myself for doing it, but I got tons of footage. Now, YouTube, I, I began it because I'm – and this is no slam against the young man I saw. I don't even know his name, but I literally watched a young man do a YouTube video, and I saw several guys like this. And when I saw them putting in sets, I thought, oh, my God, they're trying to think. They, they are doing it because they're doing YouTube. They don't even know what the heck they're doing. You oh, yeah. could, I mean, yeah. they really didn't even – they were making it up as they went. And I thought, oh, my God. So I decided to do a YouTube channel. And, um, I, and, and this year um, – this year has been great for me in the sense that my, I, I think for anybody out there, and you're, you struggle with this right now, I'm guessing, is for anybody who's in the Midwest, they're looking at your video and they think it's cool, but they can't relate because they just don't have ground that looks like that. And for me, the great thing about me going to Maine this year, and, and sometimes I film with other students, whether I'm in Iowa or Indiana or whatever, I love filming when I'm in somewhere else because I know everybody looks at my videos and they get pissed off at me because the dust is flying. There ain't no rain. There's nothing frozen and all of that. So I really take and try to take advantage of trap and YouTube trap uh, in new country just to show that, well, number one, that I can trap in your country too. You know what I mean? So uh, uh, to, to relate to a bigger audience and things like that. So um I, I, I tried to do my best to make a video to where uh, it's good education, you know, uh, no BS, no, um, let's just, let me show you how I trap, how I do it, you know, whether you like it or not, you can put it in your shopping cart or not, but at least I'm going to show you how I, how I really do trap and how I get numbers, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I did the Martin and Martin and Fisher videos. And I'm being very honest when I say, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So don't always take it from me. Well, it, it, the people I've gotten a lot of feedback from people who watch your channel as well. And I think what, what people like the most about it is that you're relatable. I hope so. And uh, just a you know, regular guy who's humble enough to wants to share information, but also just like trying to teach people and help them out. But yep. not the, the know-it-all type that you oftentimes see on those. Oh, I gotcha. That this is that I'm a Superman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I no, I, I, I'm, I definitely hate that. And uh, I genuinely d despise that type of an individual in there that this is the only way to do it. And you're, be at, you're full of it if you don't do it my way, you know. And I also, one thing I don't like, or one thing I want to try to do with trappers is I do my best at times. Uh, it's 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 not. I try to explain to them or show them what I'm up against. If I was at a feedlot, I would tell you I'm at a feedlot. Um, 
So, so when I have seven or eight coyotes, matter of fact, I got some footage that I, I, I decided not to, I, I actually never put it out there because I just thought who else can do this thing? Right. I mean, who else, who else is going to have nine coyotes spinning around in a circle? Um, it's just not relatable. I don't think 90% of trappers do not have a dead pile to do. So I actually never filmed that part of my, um, uh, trap line, you know, when I have had those opportunities. So I try to find locations and find situations that, that I have to deal with in the real trap line, um, for, for guys out there. And I've said this on film and in interviews before, uh, but I had a student in East, uh, well, be Western Indiana, and he's in some very good farm ground, beautiful farm ground. I mean, um, uh, a guy will be a guy's a millionaire. A guy who owns that land today, he he's a millionaire today on paper. Uh, it's that kind of ground. However, a student of mine said to me, he says, "Well, I only catch two coyotes there." Well, what he didn't take into account is he he, he catches on this fence line, and the, all the all the all of the ground has been plowed up. It's nothing but black dirt all around him. And I said to him, I said, well, you caught the only two coyotes that was earning a living there. So you got to <laughs> learn, you got to learn to pull them traps and move on. You know, yeah. um, when I'm in your country um, in Maine, I looked at Maine and coyote tracks um, in the, in the timber, in the timber that I knew when I put in sets that I don't know if a coyote was ever going to come back there. I mean, they could have passed through there, but when's the next time they're coming back? They certainly didn't come back while I was there. Um, that's the downfall to trapping in the big woods is, you, you know, just like Martin and Fisher. Sometimes you got to wait a long time for, for them to pass through again. And, and a large Mar percentage of that woods is not – a coyote is never going to step foot on. Yeah. I mean, it looks like there's a lot because you see all the sign in the roads, but that's yeah. where the coyotes are. And I, I did not – I saw a lot of sign on the logging roads, but I never put a set right on the road. I was just, I don't know. I'm paranoid, I guess. Oh, yeah, I don't uh, blame you. It, I mean, yeah, I just, I mean, I, I had deer hunters all over the place. All I was going to end up with was a coyote with buckshot yeah. uh, or, or a 308 Magnum through them, you know, and uh, I'd have to run my line pretty early in the morning. I mean, meaning 3 a.m. to be able to get, to exactly. beat the deer hunters before, in. So. Before daylight, yep. So what I, all of my sets, what I did was, is, just for the record for your audience, is um, I the way that I did is I found, if I found a trail that led off the road, I actually, just like your, your boxes where you'd be 70, 80 yards off the road or whatever, well, I did the same thing. I would follow the trail. I was looking to where... If I couldn't see the road or my pickup from there, then that's where I put my set. Yeah. Because I, I, a lot of those guys are road hunting. And uh, I got to tell you, though, that I am a lousy Maine grouse hunter. Very <laughs> that, Come that, on, those are easy birds. I They are. They are. And I did finally get some. But I tell you, jumping out of a pickup, throwing a shell in, and... And I, I, I've trained my whole life not to do that. And you guys up there made that into a profession. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> that was funny. That was, that was funny. John, I know John looked at me and just kind of rolled his eyes in his own way, you know, and like, oh, God. Yes, they are. They are sitting ducks. I never will forget that one 
one uh, one grouse, he couldn't have walked any slower than he did, you know. And he he was just begging for it, you know. Like I I know this flatlander ain't gonna get me, so oh well. You got it. Yeah. yeah, there's kind of an art to how far you can push them before they fly. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it too. So uh, I had my shots, and uh, I and I, I and near the end I I started putting it together, and I had the gun and the shells close at hand and all that stuff and uh no anyway that was a lot of fun that that was for those of you that ever do it get your small game permit and uh uh you can shoot you can you got to jump out of the truck load the shell and then fire the gun outside of the vehicle but other than that you can hunt them right on the road so yeah yeah that was fun that was fun that was fun so needless to say i enjoy grouse but i didn't get a lot of it so Yeah. yeah well it wasn't a great year anyway Oh, is that right? Yeah, well, last last year they were all over the place during trapping season. I was good. I I'm good for the. I, I was very good to the grouse population. I can tell you so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so uh, Kansas Trapline products. You get the, uh, the YouTube channel. Yeah, um, YouTube KansasTraplineProducts.com, and then you got the YouTube channel, which is Ed Ed Schneider Trapping or uh uh or you just put in trapping kansas coyotes and you'll probably run across uh my videos and stuff like that um and what's uh, the best uh, way for people to get a hold of you uh through the websites the best the best possible way or go through my my gmail account is nothing more than kansas trap line products it's plural at gmail.com uh you can email me that way uh, go through the website. You can hit the contact me page and that type of thing. And um, I, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and, and you know, I even advise guys that if you never use my products, to give me a call and uh, or email me, and I'll send you my phone number. I don't, I don't just put it on the web per se, but um, you can email me, uh, and I'm and I'll send you my phone number, and we'll talk about what type of trap and you got. The nice thing is, is because I trapped in a lot of country. And I know what guys are buying. And, you know, if everybody's buying feline finalizer in Texas and over and over and over again, it's a good chance feline finalizer is a very good lure, you know, for Texas. So I would do the same thing for guys in Tennessee or whatever. You know, I know what guys are are reordering with my products for your area. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right on. Well, hey, yeah. Ed, uh, anything we missed? No, I think we cut it. I think we covered it pretty well. It, it's nice to know there that you didn't limit out. It didn't make me feel bad anyway. So uh, <laughs> that, that I uh, I will say that um, to the viewers and and I know for you um, and for trappers in Maine, you you have home field knowledge and all of that. But I'll say it's very difficult for. Uh, a long liner like myself who uh, a state hopper to go get a limit of Martin and Fisher in new country without any prior knowledge, you know, without that, um, without that, uh, uh, uh you got to go in and do it. You just got to go in and do it, learn from it and then come back, you know, with more knowledge and uh, know what you would do different or whatever. And, uh, being prepared you know yeah, and the limit is the limit is kind of an artificial construct anyway you know i mean it is it's it's something that uh you know the limit just just two years ago for fisher was 10 
Oh, is that right? Yeah. I didn't know that. And, and uh, prior to that, uh, quite a while back, there was no limit on Fisher. And, and many years ago, there was no limit on Martin. So, I mean, it, it really, to me, it's it, it, it kind of gives you something to shoot for, but it's not yeah. to say that you are successful or unsuccessful just because you got the limit or not. Um, yeah. I, my, big, my, biggest, my, my biggest high was running into other guys' boxes where I wanted to put them. I mean, that was – that was enough for me to know that I was on the right track, right? So the rest of it is just waiting for them. You just got to wait for them to come through. Yeah. Yeah, and and some parts of Maine, I, I think I think you could say uh, a, a 20, 25 Martin is probably the equivalent to 100 Martin in a lot of places, other places in the country too. That 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 is what I've also understood because for those of you guys listening, um, I guess from what I understand, I was kind of on the southern end of the main Martin area. Um, there's, as I as I understand it, there's other areas that have higher populations. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Um, I mean, that's, and the same thing applies for the Fisher, like getting down to where, say, Jason or the eastern part of the state, um, there's a higher Fisher population in many cases. Whereas you get up into the really big woods, then your your Martin catch goes up and your Fisher catch goes down per se. Uh, is that fair to say as well? Or it used to be. Uh, it used to be. It's okay. changing some because uh, I I trap in some places that are quite a ways north where the the logging practices have made the habitat much better for Fisher and worse. Oh, for okay. More open country. Yeah, and and so I'm seeing Fisher at really high densities. Uh, in the last few years in places that used to be like prime Martin habitat. I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I definitely, definitely. I can even, I can personally say that when I see farmers change their practices, let's just say I had pasture, um, a cattle operation, and then all of a sudden they, the, the, the farmer rancher decides to put in corn. All of a sudden you get a whole different group of animals wanting to work that area. I mean, just because of a change, a human made changes the habitat or the preference of the animal. I know, I know, um, I'll be honest. I was, I was really surprised, um, where I was at, uh, they were doing a lot of logging, but I was surprised that there wasn't any, I wasn't in a lot of areas with say two foot, three foot wide timber. It was, it was, you know, there was really no old growth. No, it's, uh, t- it's pretty much gone. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, I actually thought that I'd see more of a lumber market but or what, I don't know what it is. Well, but it's lumber, no, it's lumber, but they, they can only, they can just about make a two by four out of a tree. And yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was kind of surprised at that. And then that goes right into your uh topic of of a change that they don't allow the timber to really mature the way they used to as an example so uh on also the brooks as i understand from john they used to have a larger setback from the edges of the brooks where you would get your mature timber and today they've narrowed that up to a smaller strip of timber yes so those are those are all that you know and and as john rode around he hadn't trapped that area for a number of years because he's been in the midwest so long now um he just goes it is his home but he uses it more as a as a vacation home currently until he retires but he was he was you know even he was surprised at how 
different everything is now. Yeah. yeah and it changes year to year places that I trap. So it's yeah. uh, one of those things you talk about trying to be flexible and adapt. Every year is going to be different. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, I enjoyed myself very much I, talking to you. I really had a good time. I, uh, thank the listeners who are still dialed in of, uh, hanging in there. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. And we'll talk to you another time. Sounds good. See you. Ed. Um, bye-bye.